Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, your weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 487. Last week, Royal Caribbean had its earnings call with investors, and this week I wanted to dive into some of the most interesting tidbits about this and what it really means for us as cruisers going here into 2023. Here we go. Every quarter, Royal Caribbean holds an earnings call with Wall Street analysts to go over their quarterly results. And most of the goal of this call and most of the topics discussed are primarily financial-based, you know, uh, money in, revenue, losses, profits, gross revenue, other things that are just pure numbers. And for cruise guests and people that are fans of cruise lines, it really doesn't mean a whole lot or has any real impact, certainly. It's, quite frankly, very boring. But Interwoven between all the discussions about numbers is some potentially interesting information for cruisers because at the end of the day, what Royal Caribbean does in terms of its profitability also has a direct impact on the guest experience. They are trying to balance, of course, delivering a quality product to guests while still making money at the same time, right? There's always a balance. If they try to squeeze every last dollar out of everything, they risk perhaps a subpar product. At the same time, if they offer, you know, just the best of the best of the best, well, that may come at the cost, of course, the extra expenses and whatnot, thus not making it very profitable. Now, that's a very basic overview, but in the real scheme of these calls, we oftentimes get a lot of interesting information, anecdotes, and tidbits of information, and I thought this week this would be a really good opportunity to share with all of you some of my insights and things that I picked up on during the earnings call and talk about what these mean and potential trends, really, for a cruise in 2023. Off the bat, let's talk about purely the numbers because there is a number that's really interesting here, and that is Royal Caribbean's fourth quarter results in terms of how popular its cruise ships were. The fourth quarter results really, to me, show that things are more or less back to normal in the sense of a 2019 level amount of growth and passenger demand for cruises, and that continues into 2023. You know, in 2021 and 2022, we saw primarily a lot of the industry just trying to get back up on its feet, right? A few ships starting, limited capacity. You've all heard this for the last, you know, two, three years now. Into 23 with the fourth quarter. And by the way, when we talk about the fourth quarter, it's kind of confusing because it's not exactly related to the calendar year, but that's not the point. The point is that in this quarter, we saw from Royal Caribbean standpoint, truly the growth coming back into what would have been essentially a continuation of what happened in 2019. Um, Royal Caribbean saw the entertainment and travels spending remaining strong. And really, they saw that there's certainly a lot of demand for cruises. And while 2022 was, as in their words, a challenging but successful transitional year, they still saw that they delivered a record 1.8 million vacations, achieved a 94% load factor, and even restarted cruises in Australia for the first time in three years. And this all combines for Royal Caribbean to tell them that this is, they call it back to normal in the sense that, you know, it's it's not, these aren't offshoots or like good for the time. This is more of a normal type of thing. And um, it's, it's kind of interesting to me because there's a lot of numbers here they talked about. In addition, they talked about how much people are searching for cruise information. Their website saw much more traffic than they've ever seen before. The cruise planner high in demand. I actually want to talk about the cruise planner because I think this is the most interesting thing. So, it's, you know, we can all sit here and say, rah, 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 that's great. Our favorite cruise line is doing well. What truly stands out to me about some of the trends here is 
just how much people are looking to book cruises and also plan their cruises well in advance. You know, for a long time, in fact, if we went back to the beginning of this podcast, I would have told you, certainly in 2019, let alone back in 20, whenever I started this podcast, 13, 14, I would have told you, you know, most people don't plan ahead. They don't book that many things in advance. And, you know, it's it's not that you, you as the podcast listener who, you know, hears me tell you, okay, you know, book these things well in advance. You're like so far ahead of the curve. The reality is here in 2022 into 2023, that's less the case in the sense that I think Royal Caribbean has done a good job of marketing these things because according to Royal Caribbean, 60% of their guests book some of their onboard activities in advance of their cruise, which by the way, represents double digit growth in pre-cruise purchase penetration compared to 2019. And by the way, that's also at higher rates. So people are booking more, it's costing them more, and they're still getting better thoroughput of that. So what that really means to me, what that shows to me more than anything, is that if you're in the market for a shore excursion, a drink package, a cabana, really anything you can book before your cruise, you really, really, really want to book it before you're sailing. Now, that doesn't say you couldn't book these things necessarily on board the ship or in the last week or two before your cruise, but you know, the days of those things really being available through like for the duration of the pre-cruise booking process and even on board, I think are going to come to an end to some extent in the sense that a lot more people are aware. They're just more savvy consumers out there who understand that when you plan a cruise and when you book a cruise, the planning process is more than just booking a cabin and then showing up to the sailing. I often joke that's how my parents planned cruises. I think that's actually still how they do, although now they probably rely on me for a lot of that. But well, there's a lot more people out there that are booking things in advance. And for Royal Caribbean, they see this as a profitability area because they want to be able to lock in some of that value up front and get people to book things before their cruise. It's, just, it's to their advantage in the grand scheme of things. But again, for everybody listening to this podcast, my takeaway from this is just that if you're looking to book a cabana, a drink package, dining, especially dining, shore excursions, you can't sit on them. You can't sit on the sidelines. You can say, I'll do that later on. This is something that I've been very much guilty of doing or not doing, everyone look at it for a while. I remember doing, you know, a podcast or a YouTube video talking about some of my new year's resolutions, things I'll do differently. And one of them was, you know, I'll no longer, you know, wait till the last minute to book things for a long time. I would plan one cruise at a time, meaning I would, whatever cruise was next was the cruise. That I would actively look for shore excursions and drink packages and all that kind of stuff. And then make a decision to book one of those in advance. I would never really go beyond that next cruise because I never really saw much of a benefit to doing so. Um, I just, you know, kind of planned the next sailing that I had and, and went from there. But now it really behooves me and everybody, I think, to start planning much more in advance for that because there are certain things that are selling like hotcakes. I mean, Perfect Day at Coco Key, I think, is the best example of this. If you've been to Coco Key in the last year and you've tried to book either a water park admission, a cabana, or admission to the Coco Beach Club, I'm willing to bet you saw those things sell out very quickly. And I'm also willing to bet that maybe along the lines, you might have run into a, oh no, it's already sold out situation. Back in like 2018, 2019, that would have been, I think, rarer occurrence to, 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 to have had. But, you know, today, I think we're seeing that anecdotally. And from a real Caribbean standpoint, they're absolutely seeing that. And that to me is a huge indicator that it's not an anomaly. That's the other thing that Royal Caribbean talked about is that, you know, demand for these things. Initially, when Royal Caribbean restarted cruises in 2021 with the adventure of the seas out of Nassau, you know, they saw an inordinate amount of like 
bookings. People were like splurging like crazy on things like sweets and drink packages and, and excursions. And they thought, you know what? This is just a temporary blip. It's a, it's an outlier. This is just a lot of people excited to go back on cruises. Sooner or later, we'll go back to quote unquote normal. Well, here we are in the fourth quarter of 22 coming into 2023. And Royal Caribbean has said, it's not a blip. It's not an anomaly anymore. They thought it was, but it's really not going to be one. And they are now considering this quote unquote, the new normal, you know, in the, in the sense that this is the way it's going to be going forward. So again, big takeaway plan ahead. Now I often talk about, you know, booking cruises well in advance. You got to take the next step and I'll start planning well in advance. Again, I think the most important things you want to book in advance. Let's talk about things I would definitely put at the top of my list. Number one, Anything at Perfect Day, Coco Key, or Labadee. Those things seem to sell the fastest out. Whether we're talking about a cabana, a beach bungalow, admission to the water park, or, or the Coco Beach Club, people are booking them. And yes, the prices are higher, by the way. That's another trend. We'll get, I'll talk about that in a second. But um, they're going to book it. If you think that people aren't going to book it, maybe you won't, but someone else will. And, and if you don't believe me, go look back at it in the, in the weeks leading up to your cruise. I'm willing to bet that you're going to see those um those 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 things sold out there so that's like number one number two are shore excursions especially uh actually anywhere i mean i, I was gonna say like in certain ports honestly i've seen plenty of islands selling out even places like saint thomas and saint martin which are not necessarily you know i would consider to be the most popular or they're popular but they're not like i, I think there's certain places that seem to have more demand for royal caribbean shore excursions but i mean these are selling out we've got a cruise coming up on wonder of the seas where my kids spring break and we're going to St. Kitts. And I think like everything is sold out except for like one or two tours. So yeah, book your shore excursions wave. So perfect day, Labadee number one, shore excursions number two. Um, the drink package is going to sell out, but I think the prices will go up. So I think it's always a good idea to, and I've said that before, but that's definitely, I would say, I'll put that in number four. Number three, certainly especially dining. Um, it, it has been amazing how popular especially dining has become with cruising restarting in the last two years, certainly. I mean, it's always been popular. It's not like you ever went into these restaurants and they were like half empty, but boy, it just seems like they're, they're super popular now. And if you're getting a dining package, those there is a limited amount of those. And I've seen those sell out much more often in the last year than I did ever before. So I would put dining at three drink packages. It's not that they're going to sell out. It's just a good idea to book them to be able to lock in the price at number four. And beyond that, I mean, Wi-Fi is kind of like drink packages. You know, they're not going to sell out, but it's just a good idea to lock in the price. Um, you know, I, I think beyond that, you're probably talking about more tangential things related to your cruise, like airfare and hotels. Um, I, you know, the spa, I don't think so. I mean, yeah, spots can go, but I don't really haven't gotten the sense that the spa is necessarily one of those places where you're seeing that. And then beyond that, I'm really struggling to think of things that could sell out. You know, there's the key. I didn't talk about the key. As some of you, or many of you know, I don't like the key. I think it just sounds better than it is. Like the benefits on paper sound really cool. And then in practice, it's not as good. But if you were interested in the key, you definitely have to add that to the list. I just personally don't think it's worthwhile. And we've done some videos and articles all about that here at realcaribbeanblog.com. If you want to hear me talk about that. Now let's talk about pricing. Because again, um, Real Caribbean stated that not only is there higher demand, for all these things I just talked about, but also there people are paying higher prices. It's not your imagination when you look at some of these things, whether it's the water park admission, whether it's a cabana, whether it's a casita on board your ship, the drink package, all these things cost more than they did um, a little while ago. Now there, we talked about this, I think in the hot topics episode that we did a couple weeks ago, but you know, 
there's a couple things at play. Number one, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. These things are higher priced. I, I'm not, <laughs> I, I don't think anybody can argue that point. I think the reason it's a little more exacerbated by the fact that price is kind of dipped during the cruise industry shutdown from 2020 into well into 2021 prices were depressed. In a lot of cases, they were actually cheaper and in other cases, they just stayed the same for a really long time. So we kind of got used to that new normal. And if this were a line chart, the line chart, instead of being like the steady line going up 45 degrees, which or whatever, you know, a standard rate, it kind of went up and then went down, stayed the same, kind of flattered, and then shot back up again recently. So by virtue of the fact that we had a reprieve in there, it makes it seem worse than it really is, I guess, if that makes sense. Like if we had never had a shutdown, I would argue that this would have just been a continuation of what we would have seen in the years prior to the shutdown. We talked about this in the other episode. Now I'm, I, I know because I'm starting to use some of the same metaphors that I had before. But the point is, is that people are paying more. You know, there's a lot of people, including myself. I mean, I've seen, I'll use the, the over the water cabanas at Cookie as an example. Uh, recently, uh, they've gone up from like about $1,700 per cabana to about $3,500, which to me is crazy. Like, I mean, $1,700 for an over the water cabana is crazy. Don't get me wrong. But it was reasonable. I, I thought that I could I could perceive the value of that, especially when you're sharing with families. But at $3,500, and some of the icon of the seas cruises I have booked, I think the cabanas are going for like $4,500. Uh, this is the over the water cabanas at the Cocoa Beach Club. I, I mean, I just, you know, it baffles me. I am one of those people who probably, just like you, are saying, I'll never spend that much money on it, right? That's just crazy talk. I mean, even if you split it, with like three families and it breaks down. I mean, yeah, it's still a lot of money, but here's the thing. Royal Caribbean is still seeing people booking these at these higher prices because for, you know, for myself, I'll use myself as an example. Obviously I cruise a lot, right? So I've been there, done that and been to the cabanas many times. So if I were to say, you know what? I don't need to book an over the water cabana going forward. I've also had the experience of being in the over water cabana. So once you've had that experience, I think you're uh, your your appetite for more or spending more is, is lessened as opposed to somebody who's never done it before. But I really do believe based on a lot of people I've seen on cruise ships over the last couple of months is that there's just a lot of people who come in with the mindset of I'm on vacation. I'm here with my family. I'm here with my friends. I'm looking to have a great time to heck with the, the cost of it. We just want to have like a really good time on our cruise. And you know what? Hey, sir, sir, it is what it is. You can't, you can't take your money with you when you, when you die, might as well spend it. All those cliches about spending money. I really believe there's a lot of people who look at that and say, I don't care. We'll just do it. YOLO book it. And, and that's the end of it. And that's, what's driving this because, you know, remember on a cruise ship, you've got, you know, three, 4,000 people on board, right? Maybe even more. And, you know, us, I say us, I think, I assume most of the audience here is a repeat cruiser. Maybe there's some new cruisers out there, but I think certainly repeat cruisers, you know, look at it as a, you know, I'm not willing to spend that kind of money, but there are others that are going to spend it. So that isn't for me to tell you that, oh, well, if other people do it, you should book it also. I respect your decision not to spend, you know, three, $4,000 on a over the water cabana or $250 per person for the water park because those prices, I don't think it's worth it. But at the same time, I've been there. So it's hard for me to perceive, to put a value to say somebody who's never been to these places, is it worth it? You know, for the water park, especially, this is a tough one because I tell people all the time, like, if you've never been there before, you're on vacation, your budget can afford it. I mean, I guess, yeah, go for it because 
it's your vacation. I mean, what are you going to do? Sit there in your room and twiddle your thumbs and be like, well, at least I have more money to, to my name later on. I mean, there is something to be said about that. Maybe you can book another cruise and afford a second vacation within the year. But I think for most people in this scenario, they're not looking at it that way necessarily. It's not that people wouldn't want to do that. But I think for a lot of people, they look at it as this is my trip. And if we spend an extra $2,000 more than I thought we were going to spend, it's not going to break their budget necessarily. That's not true of everybody, obviously. But I think for a lot of people, especially this typical person who's booking these things that Real Caribbean is seeing, I think they do fit in there. So again, if you're interested in these things, you want to book them up in advance. This, uh, uh, you know, you can play the, the game or the argument of, well, you know, if we stop booking them, we stop paying those prices, maybe Real Caribbean will realize it and then bring those prices down. It's possible. I mean, listen, if not, if they end up, with a lot less bookings because the prices are too high. I think there's some truth to that. Um, but I, I think that's also a bit of a game to play, a bit of a gamble on your end. And ultimately, I would just simply say, obviously, it's your vacation. You know, if that's something of value to you, you know, book it, certainly. And if you do see a good price, if there is a sale and the and the price is something that you consider reasonable, whatever that price number is, you really want to book it because prices tend to go up. So I think that's a really important one. Let's move on to a couple other things Real Caribbean talked about. Um, let's talk about Icon of the Seas because this is really interesting. So Royal Caribbean said that demand for Icon of the Seas is like nothing they've ever seen before. Um, it's Michael Bailey, Royal Caribbean CEO, talked about this. Is, this ship has literally been the best-selling product in the history of our business. It's been absolutely outstanding in terms of the demand and the pricing that we're generating. So again, just like we were talking about cabanas and drink packages, Royal Caribbean is seeing crazy high demand for icon and of course the prices are higher it's not your imagination if you've been looking at an icon of the seas cruise certainly in her inaugural year in 2024 um if you're looking a little later maybe into late 24 or early 25 some of that pricing really hasn't hit necessarily there but my goodness the pricing for those first couple of months is really um incredibly high and royal caribbean is seeing that on their end um, they're seeing 2024 is looking quote, very healthy. And a big driver of that is icon. And, you know, I, I don't know that that's terribly surprising. I mean, it's surprising. It's not right. Number one, when it's a new cruise ship, I don't care which cruise line it is. You have a new cruise ship. You're going to get a lot of demand for it. It's gonna, it, it, just, it just generates its own interest. It, it, it stands out on its own. This will always be the case of new ships. The difference here is that not only is there huge demand for it, but on top of that, they're seeing just more than normal high demand. Like we're not talking about like Wonder of the Seas or Odyssey of the Seas, two ships that came out fairly recently. Like those had high demand because they're new ships. This is like inordinately high demand. And on top of that, they're commanding really high prices. So they're basically getting more bookings at higher prices, which I'm not a financial expert, but that you, I think that means better revenue. <laughs> You're going to get more money in than obviously other things that are out there. And, and that's really interesting. Of course, this is a new ship, not only a new ship, a new class of ships. That's, I think, the difference maker here, as opposed to like, you know, again, Wonder or Odyssey. The new class, you know, it, it gets a lot of interest. But again, I really perceive this to be not only interest from, you know, the repeat cruiser market, but also a lot of people brand new to cruising, which is, by the way, what Royal Caribbean is going after. They're absolutely targeting the new to cruise market, those young families, and really everybody you know, with Icon of the Seas. It's very similar to the Oasis class. I have to, I wasn't obviously covering Royal Caribbean when Oasis of the Seas came out and Alert came out. Uh, you know, there was a little bit before my time in terms of blogging and whatnot. But I got to imagine 
that the hype for Icon is going to rival, if not exceed, those ships. Because back then, that was like, I don't know if it was pre-social media, but certainly social media was in its infancy at that period. So now you have not only all the you know regular media attention, but you have social media and all that. And clearly, the, the proof is in the pudding. For anybody who looked at you know Icon and was like, this ship's not for me, or I just don't see why Real Grimmie is going in this direction... You know, here you go. This is why Realgrim is going in that in this direction, and the demand is just super high for these kinds of things right there. Um, you know, Realgrim talked about they they threw out this stat, which is just a, you know again, <laughs> you have to shake your head at it, but it, it's just a good example of what we're talking about. How much demand there is that the Ultimate Family Townhouse, which is that super duper crazy like big suite on the back of the ship, they've started adding these. There was the Ultimate Family Suite on. Symphony and on Wonder of the Seas, and and anyway, they have these suites. But on on Icon, it's Ultimate Family Townhouse. Anyway, they've sold fifty five percent of them for twenty twenty four, so about a little more than half. And the average price for these Ultimate Family Townhouses is coming at seventy five thousand dollars a week. So that's an average, right? Some are cheaper, some are higher, but on average, the price for a for one week. And the Ultimate Family Townhouse is coming out at around $75,000. Now, I am sure not only are you shaking your head, but you might be also be thinking about all those things that you could buy for $75,000 that, by the way, would probably last you longer than a week, like a new car, a luxury new car, right? But, um, you know, Michael Bailey said these were remarkable stats, right? But it's just, um, he said, you know, you can just get a feel of the kind of demand that's being generated from those numbers. And um, I think he's right about that. You know, um, this is really interesting to me on a couple fronts, I guess. Number one, uh, since the ship isn't out yet, if there was doubt that the ideas, the concepts of Icon of the Seas wouldn't resonate with the cruise market, I think clearly the answer is that's not the case. It's, it's definitely resonating. <laughs> There's enough demand out there. And obviously, I think there's a lot of people who are buying into the hype and, you know, we'll, we'll see what the end of product being. I, I get that as well. But number two, it also tells me how significant a new class of ships are and that people aren't just, oh, it's a new ship. Again, we didn't see these this kind of demand for Wonder or, or, or uh, Odyssey. I mean, there was high demand. Don't get me wrong. I'm not pretending that when Wonder and Odyssey went on sale, it was like, you know, selling Enchantment of the Seas by any means. Sorry, Enchantment of the Seas. But it was, you know, I, they didn't talk about these kind of numbers with those ships. And I think that's really the the difference here. And it just really, really stands out in terms of uh, what, what we're seeing. It's crazy just how much people are booking this kind of a ship. So, you know, maybe that helps push the cause, if you will, for Real Caribbean to build more ships. As you, if you If you don't know. Real Caribbean has uh, a couple of other ships on order. They have two more Icon class ships. They have Utopia of the Seas, which is another Oasis class ship. And that's about it at this point. Now, the, all those orders, by the way, they were all placed pre-pandemic. So, you know, what will happen going forward? You know, obviously, if they're seeing this kind of huge demand for a new class, maybe Real Caribbean is a little more aggressive with, you know, putting in a new order for a new class going forward. It's hard because it's not so much a matter of will. It's a matter of finances and you know, laying out money because, you know, they're billions of dollars in debt. And when you order a new ship, one new ship, you're talking about taking on another billion with a B dollars of debt to start with. So it's like, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow when you're already, you know, 
you've swallowed quite a number of billions of dollars in debt. Um, but we'll have to see how that kind of turns out. It's just an interesting uh, look at it. And then Rilkerman also talked about two other things I think are, that are worth mentioning. Certainly he talked about Coco Key in two fronts. First was just demand for Perfect Day. Um, Michael Bailey said the demand for the product, Perfect Day Coco Key, is exceptionally high. Demand is not only there from a volume perspective, but the rate is there, and that rate has been going up, up again in a very healthy way. Uh, you know, I remember when Perfect Day first opened, and back then, 2018 and 2019, you know, not every ship went there. Caribbean sailings, that is. You know, it was, it was almost, I would say rare, but think think of it this way. If you can imagine the number of ships that go to Labadee, it's kind of along those lines, right? It wasn't every ship by any means, and it wasn't even, I don't know, half, but, you know, it wasn't like, you, if you were doing a Caribbean cruise, there was no guarantee you were on a perfect day. Now, pretty much if you're doing a Caribbean cruise, that's, I, you're going a perfect day, whether it's a three-night cruise or a seven-night cruise. There's a very good chance you're going to Perfect Day Coco Key. And that is not by mistake. Royal Caribbean has recognized that popularity of Perfect Day has been win-win. So for Royal Caribbean, well, for guests, obviously, they're going to a place that's, you know, they, they just enjoy. It's, it's self-contained. It's got that Royal Caribbean experience. Your drink packages are included. It's easy to plan. All those benefits. For Royal Caribbean, they're seeing dollar signs. Because not only is this a place guests want to go to, but they get to double down because not only are they getting the money people are spending on things on board the ship, they're also people are buying, you know, the Thrill Water Park, Google Beach Club, Private Cabanas, all those things. And those add-ons generate just a ton of revenue for the cruise line. So they really see it as a huge win-win. Along those lines, let's talk expansion because Royal Caribbean confirmed once again that they're going to be launching the Hideaway Beach area uh, in the fourth quarter of 2023, which will be an adult neighborhood. Um, for, for You're probably wondering, and what I've been told so far, and again, could this change? Sure, but this is what I've been told. It'll be complimentary, and it will uh, be located, it'll probably open sometime in December, I would imagine. Um, again, don't hold me to these things, but that's what I was told. The It's going to be located, if you're on your ship, and you're facing Coco Key, so you can see the you can see the sign, Perfect Day Coco Key. You see the pier, it. You see the water park. It's to the right of the water park, so it's in an area that would today be where the the some of the crew members work and live. They're gonna be moving those areas around there. Anyway, that's what we're talking about there. And just basically, what, what's significant here is uh, this will increase the capacity of the island by three thousand people, so you get to a total capacity. Again, not that every ship will, you know, they'll always hit that number, but you know, they'll go from about nine to twelve thousand, nine to excuse me, uh, nine to ten thousand to about thirteen thousand now guests per day. So they'll increase it by three thousand guests. And um, you know, I, I like this idea. I think the uh, reading the tea leaves. I don't know this for a fact, but reading the tea leaves. If you have an adult-only area, I think this will take away the what is traditionally. I don't want to call it the adult-only area now, but a lot of adults gravitate towards the Oasis Lagoon pool if you go there anytime in the late morning early afternoon and the dj is there you know what i'm talking about it definitely has an adult motif to it in the sense that there is loud music there's people dancing singing playing in the water it definitely is not necessarily the the a calm or quiet experience by any means and and i think i, I could be wrong on this my prediction is that we're going to see that shift over to the adult area of hideaway beach and maybe 
this isn't to say that it's going to become a library at Oasis Lagoon, but maybe it won't be quite as rowdy, if you will. Um, and we'll have to see on that one. So that's definitely something to keep an eye on uh, as you look to Perfect Day. And then Royal Caribbean did talk about one of the things, you know, about someone asked Royal Caribbean about the idea of, you know, well, Perfect Day is so great. How about you expand it to other places and open other ones like Perfect Day Aleppo? And Michael Bailey said, we have an appetite for such other ventures. As soon as we're ready to make other announcements, we will. Our intention is to continue to grow this piece of the experience for our guests. The first sentence there is the most important one. We have an appetite for other such ventures. What that means to me is, yeah, we would love to build more of these. We don't have any money for it, but if we did, we would. And I think that's really what they're trying to say. Because again, when you're billions of dollars in debt, which they are because they had to take out all these loans during the pandemic, you can't be frivolous with your spending. So, you know, ship maintenance, right? Day-to-day operations. That's not, that's not frivolous. That is necessary spending. But buying up land, building a new perfect day, yes, it would generate revenue, but the capital costs in upfront are so high that it's just not a really good idea. And I think that's how Royal Company is looking at it. So if you're wondering about places like Perfect Day Aleppo or maybe a Perfect Day Makeover for Labadee, these are things that Royal Company already talked about pre-shutdown. I think that those are still on the table there. It's just a matter of <laughs> when they got a couple dollars to spend on it. And, and I think that if things go the way they're expecting it to go this year in 23, you know, uh, when they can start really shaving off some of this money off their books, it's a lot easier to take on new debt if you're demonstrating that you're paying off your debt as opposed to just incurring more and more debt and, and digging yourself a deeper hole kind of situation. So we'll have to see on there. Anyway, you know, I wouldn't characterize this earnings call as like blockbuster. I've been on some in which it was like, holy moly, I can't believe they announced that. But what it does indicate to me is a very strong demand for the, for the company. A lot of people looking to cruise and some interesting anecdotes. And hopefully this provided you some insight into what that's all about, what I'm seeing on, on my end. And I'm just curious, you know, if, if you kind of agree with me over there, because there's a lot happening and, and it's good signs. And hopefully when we get to about this time next year, you know, we're going to be in a completely different ball game. We're, I, we're definitely in a completely different ball game than we were a year ago. Now imagine where we'll be a year from now. All right, friends, I'm answering your listener emails. This is the part of the episode where I dive into the Real Korean Blog podcast email inbox answer questions that you've sent me about your upcoming Royal Caribbean cruise. And we'll start off this uh, week with an email from Tony. Hey, Matt, my name is Tony. I find your podcast and YouTube videos in November. They're very informative, especially for a newbie like me. I've just booked my first cruise in May on Voyager to the Seas. It's a five-night cruise with supports with stops in Costa Maya and Cozumel. Have you ever heard, uh, have you ever cruised on this ship? And is this a ship you'd recommend? What are your overall thoughts on the ship? Tony, thanks for the email. So, uh, I've not sailed on Voyager of the Seas, per se. It's one of the few ships I haven't sailed on. But I've sailed on our sister ships, Mariner, and Explorer, and Adventure, and Navigator, a bazillion times. I love that class of ship, certainly. And so, when it comes to Voyager of the Seas, she did get an amplification, technically. But the upgrades they added to, to Voyager of the Seas wasn't quite as good as necessarily sister ships like Mariner or Navigator. But it's still a grid ship. I mean, I really don't think you're, you pick a dud by any means. I think ultimately, Tony, what I tell everybody is, you know, the ship you're thinking of booking, the ship you did book, you know, look at what it offers. Is it a pro, you know, look, does it have the features you're looking for? I think it's a great ship. The Voyager class is, I think, the best value right now in terms of dollar for product that you can get within Royal Caribbean. So 
great, great ship. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on Voyager when you go there, but for five nights with two stops, I think it's gonna, I'm sure you paid it. You got a great rate on that sailing. Uh, I, I'm sure you're gonna do really, really well on there. Next question is from Heather. My family and I are looking forward to going on Wonder of the Seas in April. Just a few questions about for you about the ship. Number one, is the escape room open yet on Wonder? It is not. Um, you know, I remember when Wonder came out, they were planning on adding a escape room near Adventure Ocean. I have no idea if that progress is at 0% or 99%, but it's not open as the recording of this podcast. Number two, is there a weight limit for the dry slide or the water slides? There is indeed, yes. I can't rattle off the numbers off the top of my head. But there is a weight limit, and they could weigh you uh, before you get on board. I think most times they just ask, but there is a weight limit uh, for those slides. Number three, if we haven't seen Effectors 1, is Effectors 2 going to make any sense? Will we still enjoy it? The answer is yes, you'll absolutely still enjoy it. Um, I thought, actually, if I had a fault with Effectors 2, I thought it was too repetitive. It was too... Um, it, it, it repeated too much of the information from number one in the sense that every hero, so it's a superhero show... And they spent the first half of the show reintroducing all the characters once again with their powers and how that works. And I was just, I whispered to my wife, I was like, haven't we seen this already? <laughs> Why are we seeing this again? But it's because most people haven't seen Effectors 1, so they're not going to. So yeah, don't worry about it. It really doesn't matter. I mean, I love Royal Caribbean shows. They're very thin on plots. So this is not going to be uh, Hunger Games Part 3. And if you miss out on one or two, you don't understand what's happening or the impetus for all that. It's not that deep. It's just a... It's a cute show with some special effects. You'll you'll have a great time. You'll love it. And Heather's last question is, have you gotten to try the new main dining room menu yet? If so, which theme night is your favorite? I'm definitely looking forward to Italian night. So I've tried it so far on Liberty of the Sea. We're going to try it on Wonder of the Sea when we go in March to get a full seven-night detailing. But I really like the new menu. First and foremost, about 70% of the menu are holdovers from the old menu, so it's not like really all that new. Uh, but definitely Italian night. I'm a sucker for Italian night. It's my favorite. I think it's Italian and Caribbean night, believe it or not, even though because there's probably not a lot of Caribbean stuff on there. But um, I, I think Italian night is my favorite, without a doubt, followed by... Probably Caribbean, maybe French night somewhere within the mix there. So, yeah, good good stuff there. I hope you will enjoy it equally as I did. Next email is from John Lusk. Hi, Matt. This is your podcast with Billy. How do I request that Crown and Anchor don't send us wine as our gift? I'm allergic and my wife doesn't drink wine. John, good question. Uh, you have to go talk to the loyalty ambassador on board. That's the easiest way to do it. On your next sailing, go to the loyalty ambassador. They have a desk on board somewhere on your ship. And you can ask them, hey, can we change our benefits and don't send that to me anymore and i think that will that will do it for you You used to be able to do it online you can't do it online anymore so yeah i think you couldn't call it in there's there's the crown anchor phone number but i just find it easier Uh to do it in your next sailing it's not quite that necessary if you will uh next email what is our next email from it is from edvira Hi, Matt. My wife and I are mid-50s, couple married, 30 years with adult kids, and we've decided to get into taking cruises. We haven't taken a cruise since 1991, right after we got married, mostly because we had kids to raise. My wife has had cerebral palsy since birth and has gradually needed more and more wheelchair accommodations. And I figured I'd give you an idea of what our experience was like traveling with a wheelchair on the recent sailing we just got off earlier this week on Navigator Disease out of L.A. We previously tried a Disney cruise on out of our hometown of San Diego on one on the Disney Wonder in early December this year, but due to a sewage leak in our handicap accessible cabin, as well as the one next to it, we were forced to disembark before the cruise was able to begin because they had no other handicapped accessible accommodations for us. So we were issued a refund and sent on our way. Since we are already booked a cruise on Ovation of the Seas this upcoming June in Alaska, 
And since we got a really good deal that was half the cost of the money refunded by Disney, we saw an opportunity to see how accessible Royal Caribbean cruise ships were for us. It might be a blessing in disguise that we weren't able to sail on the Disney Wonder because it was overall not disabled friendly with narrow doors and very small elevators. Well, Navigator was much more friendly to wheelchairs with buttons on all public bathrooms that would open up the doors to both the bathroom as well as the handicapped stall. And we generally did not have any problems getting around the ship. Doors between sections on the ship were generally automatic open doors and were almost always more than wide enough to get through the wheelchair with ease. The main thing I was a bit concerned with was going to be unlike the stateroom we were supposed to have on the Wonder, Navigator's accessible rooms did not have a button on the outside of the door that would open up the stateroom or the bathroom. It's not a deal breaker, but it was a bit surprising. It is obvious that this, is, this was a refurbished stateroom that had originally not been accessible, but it suited our purposes for the three nights. What I did like was unlike the Disney ship, the disabled rooms were located much closer to the elevators, which unlike the Disney ship were more than big enough for our wheelchair. Overall, it's a pleasant cruise. Outside of some surprisingly bad entertainment options, I would avoid showgirls and our comedy juggler headliner was terrible at both. It was a pleasant and reassuring experience and gave us a better sense of confidence heading to the Alaska cruise this June on Ovation. Ed, great email. Uh, thank you for sharing all of your experiences there. I think this can be helpful for a lot of folks. As I've talked about many times, while I can imagine what it might be like to be handicapped, obviously it's not the same thing, not even remotely the same thing. Hearing from firsthand experience is always the best thing out there. And I agree, comedy juggler, you didn't like the headliner. I'm going to go one step further. I, this is just Matt being Matt now. I will never, ever, 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 ever go to any comedy juggler or or magician on a real coming cruise ship, period, end of story. They're all terrible. I get to see one that's great. I don't even bother going anymore to those kind of shows. I like other shows. I don't have a problem with those. But, but jugglers and magicians are on my non-starter list personally. So thanks for backing me up on that, Ed. Appreciate that. We have for one more email this week, and that is be coming to us from uh, Mark, a.k.a. Michigan Loyal Royal. Hi, Matt. Absolutely love the podcast. Keeps the sane waiting for our next cruise. It keeps me sane waiting for our next cruise. We have a seven-night cruise booked on Oasis in 2024, but come on, who can wait over a year without losing patience? So we booked a four-night cruise out of can to Canada out of Cape Liberty this May. One concern I have is the pool deck. Does really being closed the pool's water slides if the temperature is too cold? We have two teenagers looking forward to the pools. We live in Michigan, so being from the frozen north swimming 50-degree weather is not crazy to us. Are Also, are any of the pools heated? And the answer is, well, the hot tubs are obviously heated. I don't recall. Some pools are heated, some are not. But here's the bottom line. They'll be open. Um, they may be very empty. I remember, Mark, in Alaska, you know, the pools were empty. Or they were empty, but they were open. People, you know, a couple brave souls venturing in there and trying it out. Um, so, uh, and you're going in May. I mean, yes, May can't do that. I was, you know, July would be plenty warm up there, but they'll be open. I mean, they may not have every single pool open, but the water slide should be open, Mark. The other thing you could check, just to triple check this, look at a past cruise compass from Oasis when she sailed to Canada last year, and that might be a good indication of what to expect there, but I would expect it to be open. Again, it might be a little chilly, but it should be open there, so... Thank you, Mark, for the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Green Blog Podcast. I can answer your emails. You can always email me, matt at royalcreamblog.com. Matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcreamblog.com. I will answer it on an upcoming episode. This has been Matt, and we'll talk again real soon. <laughs>